Greetings, friend. Thanks for joining us. I'm Karen Broadhead, founder and director of Mothers Who Know. All women have mother hearts. You are needed here because your light and desires matter. I want to personally invite you to thoughtfully act for yourself and come check out all of the wonderful in Mothers Who Know. Speaking of wonderful, welcome and come on into our Mothers Who Know Boundaries podcast series. We have created several awesome episodes for you by enlisting the help of our trusted friend, Ashley Levitt, clinician for the Worth Group here at Life Changing Services and Marriage Repair Instructor. Our hope is to increase your understanding and confidence around boundaries. The thought of setting a healthy boundary is something we can all vocalize, but how do we go about it? What does that really look like right where we live as we try to do our bumpy best in our relationships? Often, it feels kind of big and confusing to me. You may be surprised to discover that boundaries are ultimately just about you and how you prioritize feeling the spirit in your life, which is super cool. And one of the reasons we appreciate how Ashley teaches boundaries, because in Mothers You Know, we do the important work of owning our personal battlefield, discovering where our power lies by fighting the real battle. The real battle is to keep the spirit. When we keep the spirit, we win all the battles. It's neat to notice that we have been talking the language of boundaries here in Mothers You Know without saying the word boundary. Like, stay by the tree, own your field. Notice, just notice, stay in your truth. And you are the atmosphere angel darkness spheres because you discern the three spheres of power. There's my power, your power, and God's power. Whenever you step out of your sphere of power, you become miserable. And one of our favorite boundaries things to say that brings so much clarity and relief, there's only one savior and it's not you. You get to be the mother who fights with and for our savior and champion Jesus Christ to support his great work to bring to pass the success of your family. We can cheerfully do those things that lie in our power, then stand still with assurance to see God's power revealed. Alrighty then, we would love your feedback. Enjoy the series and be sure to listen at the end of each episode so you don't miss how to find out more about our neat Q&A meeting with Ashley Lovett when our Boundaries podcast series concludes. Be sure to note your questions along the way and check out the show notes for some great info. Okay, let's get to it. Okay, welcome. So grateful that you're with us and glad that you're listening here on our Mothers Who Know podcast channel. So yeah, Ashley, we're going to turn it to you. Okay, I have slides. Will you allow me to screen share? You bet. You're on. Okay. All right. So this is going to tell me to review what we did last week. So in the last two weeks, we've talked about first, we defined boundaries. There are three types of boundaries, protection, safety, and inclusion. And then last week, we talked about how we 
apply boundaries to service and that it's important to be aware of what we have in order to be able to give according to what we have in abundance. And we also have to know what we can do, that we can't expect ourselves to give and serve in areas that we're not able, that we don't, we can't do that. We don't need to run faster than we have strength. So I just wanted to start by seeing if anyone has had any experience with either of those this past week, if anyone's had any thoughts or questions, just where you have been at considering boundaries over the last couple of weeks. I wasn't even here last week, but I have something to share. Perfect. So, so my mother recently passed away and something really cool happened. And I think it might go along with just what you asked right there. The day that she passed away, because I've never experienced a parent passing away or we haven't had much of, you know, dealing with a loved one, you know, passing on in our family. And so I kind of thought as I had a full day back-to-back hours scheduled, I thought we found out at like 7 a.m. in the morning. I thought, well, what am I, what am I going to do today? And I just knew I'm going to clear the first half of my day until about one or two o'clock. And then I'm going to go hang out with my siblings over Zoom in Idaho because I'm in Utah. And we did that for several hours, but I was so grateful that I asked this question. I said, what are you guys going to do today to my siblings? And so there's seven of us and the brother that's like 10 years younger than me, he just is a real thinker. He's always been a good thinker, real grounded guy. And he says, he says, this, I'm going to do this. And he just sat there like this, like with his hands kind of up. And I'm just going to do this. And I said, okay. And he said, we've been given such a sacred opportunity. It only comes once in our life. You know, this is all I'm doing all day long. I'm just doing this whatever this is, you know, anyway, but it helped me to, you know, not just set boundaries for that day, but throughout the whole week while we were, you know, while I was thinking about my mom and doing things about her and getting to a place where, you know, it was time to celebrate her life at her funeral. But it was just really cool. If he hadn't said that to me, I don't think I would have been able to set very many boundaries in my life. So that was a great example, just him setting a boundary. And maybe that's not even what he thought it was, but boy, that was, maybe that applies to what you said. Absolutely. The ability for him to just go right here, connecting with you, figuring things out, being in this moment, this is all I'm doing today, was such a perfect boundary for what he was needing. He didn't have much more that he could give and there wasn't much more that he could do. He just needed to be present in that moment. That was beautiful. Thank you. Any other thoughts or experiences from this week on boundaries or boundaries in service? Well, I have something to share. And like Karen, I wasn't here last week either. But I recently received a priesthood blessing from my bishop. And one thing that he said in there was so interesting to me that he said, remember your boundaries because they help you live authentically and true to yourselves. And I have thought about that and thought about that. And I haven't been very good at boundaries. And I've realized that. But that is true that boundaries are only for ourselves and ourselves. And 
And it's okay if I'm uncomfortable with a movie or, or music or whatnot, but being true to myself. And so I, I just thought that was great that he would say that for you to live authentic, keep your boundaries. I love that so much for you to be authentic. You keep your boundaries. That speaks to the importance of inclusion boundaries and why I always say this is where I feel like we get our power because we just get to know ourselves and we, we are able to live authentically because we figured it out. We figured out who we are, who our authentic person is and how we want to choose to behave. Thank you. Today, we are talking specifically about how we choose to behave when we are in discussions, when we are in conflict, perhaps, with other people. This might be a spouse, it might be a child, it might be a boss, just whoever you're going to find yourself in conflict with. Today is all about setting boundaries, inclusion boundaries for your own power, so you can live authentically, but also manage this conflict. So we will do this by, oh, boundaries in our actions and reactions. That's a much better way to say that. I'm glad I typed it out so that I could come back and read it. We're looking at boundaries in our actions and reactions. We're going to start by identifying what your own personal special skill is. We're going to talk about three different skills. And I anticipate there will be one that you're like, oh, I think this is mine. You probably are versed in all of them. There's probably one that you just naturally fall into. Then we're going to pay attention to those special skills because like all things, Satan has counterfeit versions of everything and communication specifically in conflict. He has a whole pattern of how we use our skills. That's a counterfeit version of actual communication. So we're going to talk about what that looks like and how our skills get kind of distorted a little bit throughout that pattern. And then we'll talk about what it looks like to have healthy interactions and how to use those skills to um, accomplish communication, the task of communication. And then I want to end with planning for how you will ensure that you're following healthy ways and connecting with the spirit in your communications and in your conflict with other people. So that's where we're headed. Let's start with talking about conflict. I feel like when I say the word conflict, almost everyone tightens up because we don't like conflict. We talk all the time about, oh, I just don't like conflict. I don't like conflict. But the thing about conflict is not actually bad. It's that first stage of change. When something isn't quite working out, that causes conflict. It might be conflict within myself. I might have internal conflict because something's not feeling quite right and I'm not sure what to do. I might have conflict with my children because it's just not working out. It's just that first stage. Without conflict, there's no reason to change. If everything's smooth and we're going great, there's zero reason to change. Conflict is important. It's vital for us to be able to change. Contention, on the other hand, never leads anywhere good. Contention is of the devil. This is his counterfeit version of this important concept called conflict. Where conflict inspires good communication, growth, and change, contention inspires pride, hard-heartedness, and makes communication impossible. So he has this counterfeit version of something important, and he does with everything. And today we're just going to talk about conflict versus contention and what that looks like. Any questions or comments just on conflict? Hey, cool. Here are our three special skills in communication, conflict communication specifically. First, we have awareness, just the ability to perceive that there is a problem or multiple problems. So an awareness of the 
conflict to begin with, an awareness of the issue to begin with, assertiveness, the willingness to talk about an issue, even if it's hard. Sometimes we think of that word assertive and it feels almost like a bad word. Oh, he's just so assertive. Oh, she's just so assertive. But we have to have that assertiveness. We have to have people who are willing to talk about the hard issues. It's important to be able to bring those forward. And then the last one has three descriptors because I haven't been able to come up with a word for it. So if you have a better word than these three descriptors, please tell me. But the last skill is listening to the information that's coming, connecting all of the pieces and being able to problem solve. So you hear what's happening, you take it all in, and then you kind of shift it and see how the puzzle fits and being able to problem solve that. So those are my three skills. The awareness that there are problems out there or that there are problems affecting us. The willingness to talk about hard things, even if it's uncomfortable, even if you're not necessarily wanting to, you're just willing to. And then being able to take information and easily, quickly solve a problem. Where do you guys feel like you fit? Do you have one that you fall into? Have you had to practice all three of them? So it all three kind of sounds, do none of them sound like you can do it? Where are you at? I think I'm pretty good at being aware. I am not good at being assertive because I, I think that's where Satan tries to think, get me to think that it's contention if you just talk about something. But that's not contention, just like you said. We have to talk and reason things out. Contention is like what you said, the pride and the heart-hearted and getting revenge and getting back with some back at someone. So I think for a long time I thought being assertive was bad. But I know it's not now. You you have to just be able to talk about things or else you don't get anywhere with anything. So that's where my counterfeit was, is like not bringing things up, but how can anything ever go anywhere or the change happen if you, you can't even talk about anything? And then the listening, connecting and problem solving. I definitely need more help with listening and just being okay. It's okay that I can validate someone else. Validation has nothing to do with me. And I have been afraid to do that probably and Satan as well. I don't know why, but I think it's just fear that I might be letting someone do something that, that they're not supposed to, or, or I don't know, but that's where I am with those three. All right. Thank you. I like that you spoke about being aware you're able to see the problems. And that you have a hard time being assertive because, and you labeled it perfectly, of Satan's counterfeit, that just speaking of a problem is contention. And so I can't say anything. I can't do it. And that conflict is bad. So I can't say anything. I can't bring it up. Even though I see that it's there, there's not much I can do for it. Thanks for that. And that listening, connecting, problem solving. Tricky. We're going to use the word validation later. So you are right on with what that kind of looks like and how it goes. Who else? Where are you at with these skills? Is there one that you kind of fall into and it comes easily for you? Are there some that's harder? I just loved, I related a lot with Catlin because I feel like I'm aware, but it's the discussing, talking about a problem that, that's really hard because it's just like, that's where I feel like I 
lose all my skills. They go out the window or something. (laughs) Like I feel like, so I just think I love it because the practicing and the, you know, talking and being aware of, and the same thing, those, both those counterfeits that she labeled, I totally related to like the validating of no, because then you're giving someone permission, you know, to they think you agree. And so I'm always hesitate, like, how do I do that? Or, you know, even bringing things up, even I feel like in a marriage, it's tricky. You know, how do you bring something up that you're not super happy about, or you don't necessarily, you would like to improve without feeling like you're focusing on the negative or something, you know? So I've even struggled with that. So I'm excited to talk about it and learn. All right. Thank you. I disagree with what you're saying. I think it's often in marriage we see these different skills and figuring it out and how it's just kind of hard. That idea of now I'm just focusing on the negative and I'm only pointing. Yeah, all of that comes into play in our counterfeit version of communication. Okay, so the counterfeit version of communication and it's just of communication (laughs) is called the drama triangle. It's called the... Actually, its full title is The Dreaded Drama Triangle. And it's called that because drama is that like theater, that putting on a performance, right? It's not actually real. It's just playing this role. Typically, when we aren't active in our frontal lobes and purposely making decisions based on our value system, when we're just reacting, we will fall into one of these three roles. And it's probably one that we fell into as a child growing up. It served an important purpose for us. It got needs met. And now we continue to fill this role. But because the role is part of the drama triangle, no real communication is actually happening. It's just individuals playing roles, attempting to talk through things, and it only escalates contention. Nothing good can come from working through a Satan's counterfeit. So as we read through these, you're going to find yourself hesitant to say, oh, yeah, that's my role because I've just told you how it's not healthy and how it's Satan's counterfeit version. And I want to just stop that right now. We have to be aware of that. We have to be aware of which role we fall into, which one's just naturally our response. And then if our needs don't, when, when our needs don't get met from that first one, where do we go next? Which role do we start feeling next? Because as we become aware of those parts that we play in the drama triangle, that's how we can become aware of how to stop it of how to get out of the drama triangle, what kind of personal boundaries to set in communication, which is going to look different for every person because we're all going to have different roles that we fall into, different ones that we jump to and when we jump to them. So don't, don't go into the, oh, I, I can't acknowledge that I'm part of any of this because we've just talked that it's a distortion. Instead, allow yourself to be vulnerable and to really internalize, is there a piece in here that I do? But here's my asterisk. If as we're contemplating these pieces that we might shift, you begin to feel discouragement or like, oh, I can never do any better. I'm just the worst. Look, I play all three roles, even just today in my conversation with my kid. That is Satan jumping on and piggybacking to this discussion. So be aware of it. If the spirit comes in and says, yep, this is something that you did today. Don't worry. We're going to learn how to adjust. That's what we're looking for, right? When it's divine discontent, that idea of, Here's a place where I can improve. Here's a place where I can adjust. You're going to be feeling positive and peaceful about it. That's good. Watch out for Satan's counterfeit version, which is just discouragement. That's going to lead you down a rabbit hole. 
if you see yourself going down the rabbit hole, unmute and voice it out. Because boy, does Satan hate it when we shed light on what's happening. So voice it out so that I feel myself with some discouragement right now and get some support from us. So that's, that's my preface before we jump into this discussion. All right. The first role I want to talk about in the drama triangle is called the victim role. This is playing off of that special skill of awareness, but we're using it as a victim. So this person disparages oneself. They don't see that they will be able to do anything. They can see all of these problems. I have the awareness of the problems, but I'm powerless. I'm ashamed. I can't solve any problem. Other people's achievements are more proof to me about how the problems are so hard for me. So things like, oh, she got employee of the month, but I work so hard and no one ever sees me. There's a problem with the employee month system and I'm never going to be able to take that. Seems unable to make decisions or take control to solve the problems. So I don't know if I should do this or should do that. Here's all of the problems in both of them. There's no way. I don't know. I can't see. Doesn't take responsibility for their feelings. I couldn't because X, Y, Z happened. I was angry because he came at me like this. I finally yelled and lost my temper because my teenager wouldn't stop. I, all of the things play into how they don't have control or ability or choices and options. So that's victim role. We're going to go through all three and then I want to hear where you see yourselves. The second one is the special skill of assertiveness. And in the unhealthy drama triangle, we call this role the persecutor. This persecutor disparages other people's abilities. It's all your fault. You're doing things wrong. So they're able to see that there is a problem that needs to be solved, but they don't take responsibility for the problem. They point out other people's weaknesses. This is what you're doing wrong. This is what you're doing wrong. If you just do that, if you just did this, there's also some often some control, blame, criticism that's coming out when they're talking about it. And their mantra is, I am right. You're doing it wrong. I'm right. You're doing it wrong. And then lastly, we have the special skill of listening, connecting, problem solving, whatever the word is, summarize that. The unhealthy role is a rescuer. The rescuer unknowingly disparages other people's abilities. They probably all unknowingly do this, but I feel specifically about the rescuer. So they say things like, oh, don't worry. I know that will be hard for you. You can't do it. I'll solve the problem. Oh, I know this is too much for you to hold. Don't worry, I can do it. I'll solve the problem. They feel guilty if they don't step in and solve the problem. My kid's going to get hurt because I didn't step in and solve this to stop it from happening. And that makes me a poor, a terrible mom. What was I thinking? I should have stepped in. They don't realize that they're enabling poor behavior. So whining or backtalking or all of these things because they want to solve the problems and they're capable of rescuing individuals from pain, well, the whining and the back talking and the things lead them into this kind of spiral of, oh, I should do better. I can help. This is, must be really hard for them. It's probably too much for them to hold. So I'm going to do it. They wishes people would just follow their instructions because that would solve everything. Guys, I am a rescuer and I have actually said the words. I know what you're going through. If you'll just do what I'm telling you to do, I promise it will be better. <laughs> and, and at the time, I was like, I'm just trying to help. I can fix this for you. That's the rescuer's call. I'll fix this for you. Just, 
just trust me. I know it. I know what you're going through. I know what you're doing. And the recognition that that's unknowingly disparaging their ability. I know what you're going through. First of all, we're all different. You probably don't know what exactly the other one's going through. And if you just did what I tell you, you would get better. When that lands, saying that, I'm like, let me just help you, right? That's my intention. But when it lands, what the person hears is, I know better than you do, and you can't do this, so just follow my instructions. And it just hits with this disparaging. Don't worry about it. I'll help. Don't worry about it. I'll help. It's okay. I got this. Don't worry. I'll help. Okay, so there's our three roles. Where do you see yourself in this? Which one do you fall into? Which ones do you go to next? I'm a rescuer. Welcome. And I've recently been reading the logic book, birth to six years old for that. And it has been so good. And just realizing that and I don't want to be a rescuer because I'm not able to problems and little kid problems. They can. So I just have to be patient, long suffering and let them work through it because that is a problem that they can work through. So yeah, but definitely I'm a rescuer. I'm a recovering rescuer. I'm working through it. I like that. Recovering rescuer. No, I love what you were saying about acknowledging they have these problems, but they can work through it. And so it takes a little bit of patience, a little bit of not going and running in and solving the problem for them and making it all work, right? Yes. Yeah. Welcome, rescuer. Any other individuals feel like they saw themselves in some of those descriptions? I definitely am a rescuer as well. And I can also see myself in those other areas, like as I've looked back at my past and how I've grown up, you know, I can see seasons in my life where I, you know, I felt like took a lot of those victim things on and can also see seasons in my life where I tried to, you know, I don't think I ever would do it with my mouth, but in my mind, I find myself you know, being judgmental or prideful, those kinds of things that I, I, I do a lot of work at the, on that. But yeah, the rescuer one, that's a, that was just a huge aha for me. One of the big learning things I could identify once I realized the spiritual battles that I'm facing with the adversary, that was so helpful for me to realize that, well, of course, I'm going to want to save people that I love. And of course, I want to want to make their life successful because that's the role of a mother, right? But knowing my limitations and respecting Heavenly Father's plan and his gift of agency, that's where the adversary was just really taking advantage of the gifts God had given me as a woman, as a mother, to try to, you know, see all that as rescuing is the right way to do it. And yeah, the safe noticing how Heavenly Father and the Savior parent us is really useful. Absolutely. <laughs> I was thinking, as you said, the safe will come in and say, no, all of that is rescuing. What I heard next was, and shame on you for not doing Exactly. Shame on you for not stepping in and helping when you could have. You knew the answer to that problem, and they got it wrong anyway. Shame on you. Like, that's 
That's what went through my mind as we were talking. Is, yeah. Here's all of your skills. Here's all of your abilities. And you didn't step in to get it done. Yeah. How embarrassing for you. Yeah. Totally. really likes to use those skills to either tempt us into the rescuer mode or shame us for not going to rescuer mode. Yeah. And I think that's probably applicable in all of the, all of the areas in all of the roles. Yeah. I, I think he takes advantage of our gifts. Cause you know how moms have a gift to like, look at a situation that looks really messy and know this isn't the right way for it to be, you know, looking really awesome. And so our brain automatically goes to all the solutions, you know, what we could do, what should be different. And so, yeah. I think we have a gift for problem solving, a gift for, you know, finding a better way to do something. And I didn't know those things very well when I was a child, but I realized pretty quick after being some years of being a mother that I'm pretty good at coming up with solutions. I didn't realize I was so good at this, you know? And so, but now... I can see how the adversary takes advantage of, of that as well. Wants us to, yeah, get afraid and think if we don't step in, it will get to the scary place we never want it to get. So we take, we control it. Karen, I'm glad you said that. I don't think I would ever say it out loud, but in my mind, I am this. And yeah, me too. In my mind and possibly I say it out loud too and in the victim when things have happened and I just want to stay there and be hurt and definitely Satan wants me to be there and yes in my mind I am judgmental and working on that and trying to just focus on my own things but yeah I I can see all three areas but rescuing is the most prominent I think it, I think it depends on, for me, it's all three roles because it just depends on what situation on there. Yep. And who's the authority figure and you know, that kind of thing. So I, I mean, I have, I have been in all three roles. Does your role change based on whether or not you're the authority figure? Oh, sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like when I'm with my children, I feel like everybody else is like, oh, you just want to get in and step in and help, you know? And then I'm reminded of a story that was told once by the mother who had a handicapped child and the, the, the child was getting itself dressed, getting himself dressed and she was just watching and he was really struggling and someone came in and, you know, to visit and said to her, why aren't you helping him? And she said, because someday I'm not going to be here and he needs to learn this on his own and, and yes, it's taking a lot of time now, but the more he does it, you know, it'll, it'll start getting easier to do. She says, but if I step in, you know, then he, what chance does he have to learn this? And I always kind of remember that word, and I, and I try to keep that in mind, that sometimes it's, you know, it, it's hard to see the children suffer when, when I can, you know, when I can help. And, but I also know that, 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 you know, I have felt victimized and, you know, been in victim role, and as well as it's your fault, the perpetrator. You would only do X, Y, and Z. This, this wouldn't be helpful. And absolving myself of all kind of my box. I'm hurt. And you can see where all of that is. Those kinds of messages come from. Instead of the humble one, 
you know. But more often than not, though, I I believe I've seen what what did I do? I mean, that's always the first thing I think is okay. Well, what's my loneliness? And I think at times I assume too much responsibility for things. That's a rescuer trait for sure. I am naturally a rescuer. Ashley, the person, is a rescuer. When I was seven years old, I called my dad when my mom was having a bad day. I called him at work and said, "Bring some flowers home, mom's happy." Like, that's just my natural state is to just rescue and make sure everyone around me is okay, right? When I, I spent 10 years as a teacher before becoming a therapist, and as a teacher, I am a rescuer for about half a second. And then it's, if you didn't understand this, I go straight into persecutor. So my first two years teaching was really hard because suddenly I was being really mean and I didn't mean to, I didn't want to, but I was being so mean and I had to shift my whole teaching perspective. And as a parent, I'm straight up victim. I'm always so tired. She did this again. Our life is never going to be okay. It's just (laughs) chaos all the time. (laughs) So depending on where I'm at and what role I'm playing in that place, the prominent one tends to change. But my initial is always rescuer. And then it, how long it takes to switch to a different one changes based on where I'm at. I'm glad you guys said that because I was feeling like, man, I'm just the overachiever because I'm good at all three of them. So I was happy that you guys had, because I, I really do feel like, yeah, we want to rescue, but then it goes wrong. Then I become the victim and then I get mad because I'm the victim. And then I, so I'm like, I see myself going down that slide and it just kind of goes follows each other you know so I'm like yep yeah this is really good to analyze though because then I you know that helps us be more aware of what we're doing and why and how that's working so exactly yeah and we have these roles because at some point they were really important to us in our childhood as we were growing up being that person helped us find safety being that person helped us find stability. It helped us understand who we are and how we relate to the world around us. So having those things is not bad. They served a purpose. They were there for a reason. I had a mentor of mine said, friends are either here for a reason or a season. And I think that's the same with these like dynamics. (laughs) They're there for a reason. They serve their purpose and now their season might be over. It's time to acknowledge when it's no longer their season. Any other thoughts on the drama triangle before we transition? Okay. I do. Yeah. So how do you get out of it? We're getting <laughs> That's the next step. Okay. I do, I do have a question just to clarify. You mentioned that assertiveness had a, had a negative word and it was persecutor. What are the positive words of, like, were there positive words for victim and rescuer or just that assertive one for, for, for the persecutor? Um, There were roles for each of them. So the assertiveness or skills for each of them. Assertiveness is the skill of the persecutor. That's the skill that they're using. And listening and problem solving is the skill of the rescuer. Uh, And being aware that there are even problems around is the skill of the victim. Okay, thanks. Yep. Okay. This is a quote from the spouse and family's support guide in the addiction recovery program that the church has says disagreements and differences with others are a natural part of relationships this can happen because of differences in values opinions perceptions motivations desires ideas learning to address these differences in a healthy way 
and strengthen your relationship with others and help you develop empathy and patience. Healthy conflict resolution is likely to occur when individuals feel safe and valued. Though differences are normal, they do not have to lead to contention. It is contention during a conflict that causes a problem. When we are playing a drama triangle role, contention will come. There is no actual communication that's happening in the drama triangle. So think about, and naturally as humans, we love drama. That's why reality television is such a hit. Like it's not going away because humans love to watch drama. We're naturally drawn to being in drama, but drama never actually leads to solving a problem. It's just chaos in entertainment form, right? We're not going to go anywhere. It will lead to contention. So this is what we do. I went back. <laughs> there is, Cartman is the creator of the drama triangle. This man, David Emerald, created the empowerment dynamic. And it's spelled with a T on the end, even though the slides don't have that. <laughs> so the empowerment dynamic is how we get out of the drama triangle. It's going to use the same special skills, but in a new application of them that allows the spirit to be present and actual communication to be a possibility. So we're going to go through each of these roles one by one. Don't feel like you have to process them at a time. Let's start with the same special skill we started before, awareness that there's even a problem. This in the drama triangle is the skill of the victim, but in the empowerment dynamic, the title is creator. And they use the tool of accountability to help create with their awareness of the problems. So we're going to hear things from them like, what problems can I identify here? What's going on? What are some creative ways that I can solve these problems? Which of these problems do I have control over? And which are the responsibility of someone else? What is my sphere of influence here in this problem? What steps will I take for the problems that I do have control over? What do I need to take? What steps do I need to do in order to get what I want? The... In the healthy dynamic, the person who has the awareness of problems uses accountability and expresses confidence in their own self-worth. Rather than disparaging themselves, they have confidence. What can I do here? What steps can I take? And I want to go one by one with this one rather than just rush through the three. So with the creator, what questions and thoughts do you guys have? Okay, then we'll go to the next one. We have the special skill of assertiveness. And in the drama triangle, that was the persecutor. But in the empowerment dynamic, we call it the challenger. The challenger uses options and negotiations to express confidence in other people's worth. So they'll say things like, is there something here that needs to be expressed? Is it my responsibility to express it? When it is my responsibility, what's the best way to do so? So they're going to ask themselves things like, are my intentions to look good or to help grow? Is this a problem that needs to be solved? And am I the one that needs to solve it? Do I need to point it out? Is that my role? Maurice talks about Ether 1227 often, which is men come unto me that I will show unto them their weakness. And notice it doesn't say men come unto their spouses so that their spouses can show unto them their weakness. Notice it doesn't say men come unto their parents so that their parents can show to them their weakness. That the challenger's role is rarely to show weaknesses. They might see the weakness, but their assertiveness can be used in a way to help find options and negotiations for individuals while showing that they have worth. You can do this. There's some options. You need to see them. You're okay. You've got this. Any questions or comments on this one? Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Well, I do have a comment that this is more challenging than the first one for sure. Yeah, it takes tapping into that frontal lobe mm-hmm. and purposely deciding how you're going to respond to it. Yeah, and just have to have that awareness. Yeah, you can, because we all said we have this natural ability toward a rescuer, right? To like, yeah, this is awesome to see the opposite and to say, you know, have these questions like, you know, maybe nothing needs to be said. Maybe I really don't have to say a word here. Or maybe all I have to do is encourage and believe in somebody. Yeah. Well, but yeah, we often will fall into the, I totally have the answer. Yeah. Yeah, we do fall into that. I have the answer. I can see it. There it is. And I think in our culture, we have this incorrect understanding of the idea that communication is important. And we think communication means I have to make sure everyone understands everything that I'm thinking and experiencing and feeling. And otherwise, I'm not communicating to them or otherwise I'm withholding from them rather than acknowledging that sometimes our job is to just stay quiet. Look it up. Christ stayed quiet more than once when it wasn't his job, when that wasn't his role, he didn't say anything. I, I think the other thing we need to keep in mind, and it wasn't in this conference, I think it was in the last conference, that talked about everyone has their own curriculum. And I think sometimes when we think, oh, I know what to do, that's our curriculum. Maybe it worked for us, but maybe it's not in somebody else's curriculum of how they, they need to learn. Yeah. So it's so that goes back to that prideful thing. I mean, it's like, well, you know, how, how do we know what their curriculum is? Absolutely. Yeah. With this challenger, who is the opposite of persecutor, so he's able to, he's willing and able, we are willing and able to say the hard things. Sometimes we almost have to say the hard things to ourselves. Oh, it makes me think that I know better than they do. Do I need to say this to them? Is my opinion the only one that matters? Are there other things that could be truths? Or if they aren't truths, I can still respect that person. I don't have to tear down their belief. I've always found it fascinating that I, I like to watch like Christian satellite network shows and listen to them on the radio. It has these different various that were facets of Christian religion. And more often than not, when I'm listening, one of them will say something like, but it's not that Mormon church. It's not that LDS. And then they will go into purposefully attacking my beliefs. And I find it fascinating. I love so much that never once have I heard, I don't know if maybe things have shifted in my lifetime. I've never heard from the pulpit. One of my leaders say, well, it's definitely not X church or Y church. Don't go do that. That pointing out problems about other people's things is not something that we feel the need to do. But our church is willing to be assertive right? Our leaders are willing to be assertive. Christ is willing to be assertive, but there's a time and a place for it. It's a special skill that's important. We have to be willing to say the hard things. We just don't have to say all of them. Okay. Opposite of rescuer, where we're all falling into. This one is called a coach. So they still have the same special skill, listening, problem solving, taking it all in, figuring it out. They are the coach and they use personal boundaries to ensure that they express confidence in others' abilities. So rather than accidentally disparaging other people's abilities, a coach helps other people to have the belief that they can do it. So you'll hear things like, is there someone that needs support? Let me 
identify if there is, is it my responsibility to support them? Now that one, just even the question makes me uncomfortable because I'm a rescuer and Jesus said, love everyone and leave the 99 and go serve the one. Of course, it's my responsibility to support them. That is not accurate. It's not true. I'll give an easy example just from my life. Mm, nope. The spirit has said, don't give that example. I will give a made up example from my brain as it comes out in just a second. Let's say, oh, the parable of the leave the 99 and go get the one. One time I was teaching that my mom, a fellow relief study teacher, was also sitting with me and she said, what occurred to me today is that we are always the one. We are never the shepherd. There is only one shepherd and it is never me. I am never the shepherd. It is never my job to leave the 99 and go rescue the one because I am always the one. This story is about how Christ comes to me, not about how I should be going to other people. There are times when it is not our responsibility to leave and go support someone else. There just are, because it's not our job to save everyone. We are not the shepherd or the saint. Has this person asked for my support or am I jumping the gun? So often I go, oh, they need this and this and this and this. Here, I'll provide it for you. But they didn't actually need that because they're their own person and they actually see things differently. And I was wrong because I can be wrong sometimes. What is the best way to support them without taking responsibility for things that aren't my responsibility? Recognizing what is in my sphere of influence. What am I actually responsible for? Am I actually responsible for making sure that my husband gets to the dentist? No, that's actually not within my sphere of influence. So I do not have to schedule it and remind him and make sure that he gets there and guilt him until he goes and ensures that everything's That's not actually my job. Is it my responsibility to ensure that my teenager follows every single thing that I tell them to do? Not because they have to make their own choices. I can coach them so I can encourage. I can support what they're doing. I can express my confidence in their abilities. You know what? You can figure this out. I believe in you. You are a very hardworking, well-studied, impressive young man. You've got this. If you need help, you're welcome to come ask me for help. But you've got this. Give it, give it a shot for a minute, right? So we are expressing confidence in others' abilities, and we are using personal boundaries to ensure that we don't cross those. Any questions or comments on this one? As it says, anyone overwhelmed? What's going through your mind right now? Actually, I've been noticing that I've been a, trying to do those things. I had an experience on Saturday where I, I wasn't able to, my husband has been taking care of us through the whole week because he didn't get us sick. And then Saturday came and he's like, okay, now it's your turn. <laughs> you get to take care of everything now. And he was doing a great job. He wasn't complaining. It was, it was going okay, despite us feeling awful. And so Saturday I go, okay. And so I enlisted my children to do certain tasks and they didn't do them to the, the kind of way that my husband wanted them to be done. And he came in cause I was still lying down very weak and I couldn't do anything. And he expressed this to me and I got upset with him. And I said, <laughs> You don't have to do all those other things you have, you know, you could just take care of us. But then it's interesting how those things we talk about, I, I hope this is applicable, but it just feels like it is. 
me just going, okay, I don't want this confrontation. I'm just going to ask, I can't do this yet. I'm going to ask you to just take this and you can do it. You don't have to do those other things. Please just do it. And how good I felt after just letting somebody just take it and not me worrying about, is this, this and this going to happen? I just rested how good it felt. <laughs> it was amazing. I was like, I did the right thing. I said, I can't do it. I tried. And so I'm going to have to ask you to do it. So, yeah. Yes, I love that. In each of these roles, one of the key points about how it makes it a healthy communication style is that it allows for, acknowledges, and honors their own limits. That none of these roles are responsible for everything. And knowing our own limits, learning how to express them using one of these roles, acknowledge that they exist, that's okay. And that's beautiful. That's a wonderful example of just what it looks like to have a recognition of my limit and express a boundary. Thank you. What I love about this one is it takes those skills. When we're looking at the empowerment dynamic, it takes the awareness that there's a problem, the willingness to talk about the problem, and the ability to take the information in and solve the problem and allows it to work together in harmony. You have to have all of those in order for any problem to be solved. If you don't know that there's a problem, it's not going to get solved. If you're not willing to speak up and talk about the problem, it's not going to get solved. If you're not able to take in the information and look for creative ways to solve the problem, it's not going to get solved. So when we're working in this empowerment dynamic and we're ensuring that we stay within these roles, it gives us the opportunities to actually solve the problem. When we bring the spirit in there to help guide what, what role we should be filling at that moment, because we're going to jump around, right? It allows that interdependence of relationships where I can bring my skills, what I'm good at, I can bring that to the table and then they can bring their skills and bring that to the table. And together now we're acknowledging the issue. We're approaching the issue in creative ways. We're saying the hard things. This doesn't quite work and here's why. And we're just building off of each other. Nobody's, nobody's pointing out you're terrible. Nobody's in persecutor. Nobody's saying, well, I can't do anything because no one's a victim. No one's saying, well, forget all of it. I'll just do it by myself. Because no one's in rescuer. We're all just working together in harmony with interdependence where we, where we bring our skills and we create new solutions that wouldn't have existed without all of them. I'm going to put all the roles up on the screen. Just let you look at them. And I want you to take a quick scan. Are you feeling empowered and like it's possible to create personal communication boundaries? Are you feeling overwhelmed and like it's too hard? If you're feeling either one of those things, is it probably coming from the spirit or is it probably a distortion? And how can you identify it? Which role are you feeling right now? Just look for a minute, contemplate. And then if anyone has a comment, feel free to unmute. It's good because when you were talking about these things, I was kind of like, oh, wow, that's what I want to be like when I grow up, you know, want to be able to do all those things. <laughs> and but I don't I don't feel I mean, usually I think, you know, things that I'm not good at when I recognize them, I do kind of go like I feel this that kind of set in that feeling of like, uh, but I feel more this time like, cool, I'm learning like skills so that. I can actually maybe get better at these. So like I have, I, I recognize that I'm not good at these things and that's, but I have the hope that with 
you know, improved information, I'll have more inspiration and I'll be able to improve. So I have the hope that learning these things, I can get better. And then, you know, someday, maybe in the next life, I will be like that when I grow up. (laughs) Thank you for sharing that. And I love the acknowledgement of this isn't going to be perfect tomorrow. It's not like, oh, I had that 90 minute lesson and now I've got this in the bag. (laughs) Now I know how to do this and to stay out of it. What it goes back to is what we were saying when we were talking about the drama triangle, just building the awareness, just beginning to acknowledge that when I'm in my roles and acknowledge it without judgment, acknowledgement with curiosity. Oh, I just felt the need to go rescue this person. I wonder why I need to rescue. I wonder what's going on there. Let me consider, is this something that I should be doing or is it not? It brings our conscious back into it where we can think about what we are thinking. We can notice what we are noticing and begin to build new habits using personal boundaries. The, my favorite type of boundary is predetermined responses. I think sometimes we think that we have to try to come up with responses that fit into the right role in the moment. Now that I've learned these roles, if I don't do it in the moment, then I have a problem. But the, the power behind it is acknowledging, oh, okay, there are different ways to respond, to look at what, whatever thing is most likely to come at you today. Are you going to get hit with a frustrated teenager? Are you going to get hit with a whiny toddler? You could switch those two adjectives and it would still apply to the other person. Are you going to get hit with a spouse who's had a really hard day and maybe not as helpful as we might like? Are you going to get hit with a mom who's overly helpful right now? What are you going to, what's your next relationship interaction going to look like? And how do you want to respond and plan it out? So I want to take the last few minutes here. We've got about 20 minutes left. I want to take a few minutes of that to just give you a chance to contemplate your upcoming interaction. What are you going to face next? And then figure out which one of these roles would be the best way to respond and write down, physically write down your response. This is how I will respond. People are creatures of habit. You can anticipate who's going to come at you next and what their problem's going to be. And then write that out. So take a minute to do that. And then if you feel comfortable sharing, I would love to hear what you've noticed and what's going to go through. Um, In the chat, I don't know if I should say this vocally. Marisa said when asked about how we can talk to her husband so they don't get offended or defensive, he says we can't. We just need to be silent and retreat with dignity. How does this model apply? Such a good question. Okay. The retreat with dignity, the acknowledgement that we can't goes back to the idea of the communication Tetris model that Maurice talks about where have you ever played Tetris I'm just going to make assumptions that people have even though that might not even be a thing I can assume anymore where you can see the the piece up at the top and then I used to always play it with the little ghost model so I could see where it was going to fall down to the bottom so I'd click it over a whole bunch of times and then I would just hit the fast fall I would just hit like a I think it was and it would just go straight to the bottom and so often I would click it over three times, hit A, and it would actually fall four spaces over. (laughs) I was needing that to fall three spaces over, not four spaces over, and now it's gone. In communication, whenever Satan can, he's going to shove it so that it doesn't land where we want it to land. So I might be saying, hey, how was your day today to my spouse? And that's the piece that falls. And where it lands in my husband is, 
you didn't do a thing today, did you, you lazy slob? And <laughs> that's not at all what was said, but Satan just twisted that little piece and made it land in the exact right spot. So because we aren't the ones purposely offending our husbands, we are also not the ones responsible for making sure we can't offend our husbands. We are responsible for how we communicate. So I am going to communicate within my empowerment dynamic. I'm going to ensure that I never go into the persecutor mode. I'm not actually going to give him a reason to be offended. I'm not going to jump in and say, look, you lazy slob. What did you just do? Why didn't you? That's not what I'm going to do. That's my personal communication boundary. I'm going to ensure that I am always speaking within my value system, within my boundaries, according to my role as wife, not teacher, not savior, not ecclesiastical leader, not just wife, which is primarily a cheerleader. It's primarily just someone saying, hey, good job. I'm right here. Go fight, win. I'm not in charge of whether or not you actually go or fight or win, but I'm here, right? I'm just here cheering. And so I'm going to use my, my model to identify that. Now, if he comes back defensive or offended, well, I am not in charge of rescuing him from his emotions. That's not a problem I can solve. I'm not in charge of ensuring that he, instead of being victim, taps into his creator mode so that he can solve the problem. That's not something within my responsibilities. I might be able to challenge, depending on our relationships and whether or not he is safe, I might be able to say, I didn't say anything offensive right there. So the spirit might not be present right now. I'm going to retreat until we are. The one thing we do know is if in the conversation, if there's no spirit, we don't talk. There's no spirit, we don't listen. If there's no spirit, we don't think. Because if the spirit's not there, no good's going to come from it. It will be in the drama triangle. If our husband is in the drama triangle, which if he's responding offensive and defensive, he is. No good communication can happen. So why am I going to stay there? It doesn't matter how much I stay in the empowerment dynamic. If he's doing drama, no communication actually exists. It's just this facade for Satan's entertainment. He's like, watch these two. Ha ha. I don't need to do that. Did that answer your question? Thanks for asking. It. That was a good one. Has anyone thought about what their next interaction today might be and how you hope to respond? Yesterday was our anniversary. And so later today, we're going to go do something for our anniversary. And one of the things I did yesterday was, you know, had this fun dinner and my kids were there. Not all of them, just the two that live here. They're both in their 20s, early 20s. And, and so I just told them, I said, oh my gosh, this is the funnest day for you. We, you guys have the opportunity to ask a couple that's been married for 29 years some questions about, you know, marriage and relationships. And so, you know, we had candles and just fun. And so they started asking questions and, and my one child, she's super like surface kind of always, you know, she doesn't. And my son is the one that loves to go deep. And so, yeah, he had all these questions about how do you solve problems in your marriage? What have you found has worked for you guys? And he also asked questions like, how have you maintained a level of satisfaction in your marriage? <laughs> I was thinking, how are you answering, asking these questions? And my daughter was said, you know, dad, what's mom's favorite color? 
you know, stuff like that. And so anyway, but just answering my son's question just threw me into all of this shame and victim mode, right? Because I wanted to be able to say, well, we have figured that out. You know, we totally are good at that. But I felt like we aren't good at that. You know, I, I don't think we're good at that. And oh, so anyway, so today I've been thinking when we go out, I just thought, yeah, I just really want to say something, you know, useful. And I also want to apologize for kind of falling into this shame place instead of staying in a, you know, in a positive like place. And yeah, I didn't say anything inappropriate or do anything, but I just, it affected me you know, after it was over. So that's where I'm at today. Just thinking, how will I, what am I going to say today? That's just good. Yeah. What is the useful thing that you're going to say today? Yeah. Do you know yet? I'll tell you in just a minute. Okay. So I'm looking for it. I wrote it down on a, on a slot. I, you know. I, wa I wanted to change your perspective, Kara. I know a couple that were married 50 years. And they were renewing their vows and someone asked them kind of a similar question. And he just said, I'm just getting to know her. And so you could just say, well, we're just getting to know each other. It's only been 29 years and we're still just getting to know each other, you know? And you might say that, you know, I'm still getting to know you. And it's exciting. But that, that just, that story came to mind. That's brilliant. Thank you for that. I love that. Thanks. My answer is going to be, well, we haven't figured that out yet because he keeps growing and changing. Dang it. <laughs> just when I think I know, he changes. Just when he thinks he knows, I change. So we're just still growing. And that's exactly what Lucretia said. <laughs> still just getting to know each other. Any other plans for your next interaction and how you hope to respond? My interaction, I hope to be Christ-like. Define that for me. In a space myself, feel grounded, have the spirit. And I realize my husband plays the victim mode a lot. And I, there's not communication at all. And so, yeah, I just want to be in a healthy spot myself. Keep yourself out of that drama triangle, right? Yeah. Be aware of what's going on. I think Christ exemplifies each of these, the creator, the challenger, and the coach. He's willing to do all of those. And we can just tap into that piece based on whichever one we feel ourselves sliding into. Am I sliding into rescuer? I can use that exact same skill to not to keep myself in health. Am I sliding into persecutor? I can use the exact same skill to keep myself in a healthy place. And just building that awareness of where am I sliding and what am I going to do? What's my prepared response? The I'm going to encourage you, coach you, to write out a prepared response for each of them. If you find yourself sliding into each of them, give yourself a prepared response for each of them. Because in the moment, sometimes it takes more than than a description. It needs direct words. 
to help solidify to our brain. This is what I plan to say when I'm going into this. So I have a question. You're talking about you sliding into one of those roles, not someone else. Yeah. Other people will slide, but I can't control them. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. What? So I'm trying to plan something to say when I slide into one of those roles. Yeah. So looking at your next interaction, if you can anticipate that it might have some victim facets to it, what am I going to respond so that I don't rescue that victim? So that I stay in a healthy situation. My planned response was always, well, you're a grown adult. I'm confident in you. You've got this. Always. That's where I went to when I was first learning about drama triangle. That was my planned response. You've got this. You're capable. I've seen you do incredible things. You've got this. Even though internally I was like, what is even going on? <laughs> Here's some easy answers. Why don't you just do that? Internally, I'm struggling. But in my communication, I'm going to keep myself in the empowerment side. You're capable. I've seen you do incredible things. You've got this. I love your examples. I feel like helping us come up with, like, I, I'm feeling like I need help coming up with good things to say. <laughs> like, your examples are so helpful. So I don't know if there's any other examples that, that you can, like, coach us in of actually being able to come up with. Because sometimes I go, like, I don't really know what I should say in that situation. <laughs> No, that's such a good point because you guys are just learning this, right? So having that ability right from the beginning and not even unexpected. Let's see. Well, I was just thinking if we thought of a scenario, right? And we thought of ourselves doing it in the drama triangle, right? And then we thought of ourselves doing it the better way. You know, outside of the drama triangle, doing it in the, what's the other one called? The good empowerment. One? The empowerment triangle. Then, yeah, just, yeah, just picturing the circumstance that I'm going to hit next that I want to, you know, or that I hit often, right? Yeah. Then just thinking in the empowerment triangle, you know, what would I sound like if I were listening to problem solve what would that sound like like is there some step that i need to take to i don't know yeah, what's just... the next thing i can do yeah what's... yeah and sometimes it's it's easiest to identify where do i slide to so if i always slide to victim this is overwhelming i can't do this there are too many things the kids are too crazy xyz is just i can't there's i would if this would change i would if that would be different but i can't yeah i can't do it if we slide there the opposite of that is the creator, someone who's purposely looking for individual steps to just shift something. So I might say something to the effect of, well, I can't control all of that, but I can turn on music so that I start to feel peaceful. I can't force them to do that, but I can go give them a hug so that we can build some connection. I can't solve all of those problems, but it's not my responsibility. I can make sure I'm looking at what is in my responsibility. And then if you slide into persecutor, look what you did. Why are you doing this? What were you thinking? It's all your fault. We can shift to the challenger, which is making sure I am only speaking those things that are actually within my responsibility to speak. 
So I might say, husband did all of these things wrong, but men go unto God to show unto him their weakness. It's not my job. I'm not responsible for showing him his weaknesses, but I'm really sick of this. So I'm going to go to God and say, God, when you're talking to husband about weaknesses, here's a problem I'm having. And he and I will chat for a little bit. When I'm tempted to point out to my kid all the things that they're doing wrong, I'll stop and go, is this actually something that I need to point out? Is that going to be helpful for them? Or do they need some options? Do they need some ideas? So I might say, hey, I see that you are wearing stripes with polka dots today. Do you, are you feeling joyful in your outfit? <laughs> you feel confident and okay in that? Okay. Just checking. If you weren't, jeans are an option. You could, you could look at it, but you don't have to. Right? I'll just present some options while also make sure that I'm not going to disparage another person. Because that's what persecutor does. As a challenger, I'm going to show confidence in other people. So my words and my statements are going to be things that show confidence. Yeah. All right. This feels overwhelming and like you'll never be able to do it. But like Karen said, you guys have been doing this this whole time. So here are some phrases from your mothers who know work that already fit. So I'm going to just read through these ones. And then for our checkout today, for that thing that you want to take, let me know where you see this fitting or your personal goal for the week. So you can pick one of these phrases and say, oh, I can see how that is in the empowerment triangle or how it's helpful so that you're a creator instead of a whatever. Identify where one of these belongs or let me know where your personal goal is for the week. Okay, phrases. Mom power is knowing there is only one you, one savior, and one enemy. Peace is an increased skill, not a change in circumstance. I can heighten my level of discernment and awareness. I can stay awake. I am the mother, the mother. With our agency, we can choose where we fight our battles and how that looks for us. I can tap into my inner warrior chemistry to ensure I stay communicating with the spirit. Warrior chemistry helps me reclaim my power in places where I have struggled for a long time. I know my call is to use my divine gifts to assist God in his great work. So these are things you've already been studying, you've already learned. And it's the exact same stuff that we just learned today. So you don't need to feel overwhelmed. But as you check out, let me know either your personal goal for the week or how one of these you can clearly see fitting into the empowerment dynamic. And I hate calling on people because I want to give you a chance to contemplate. And over Zoom, it's hard to tell when people are done thinking. But I also hate the like, oh, should I go just to fill the silence? <laughs> so... So I'm not going to call on you, but we're also going to be comfortable with silence. Feel free to contemplate your answer if you need to. And then unmute and say, I'll go. And then if somebody else talks over top of you, we'll go from there. And so will you clarify the question one more time? Yes. For your checkout, you can either tell me a goal that you have for yourself this week based on what you've learned, or you can tell me which one of these phrases that is from mothers who know that you can identify where it goes in the empowerment triangle, how it connects to empowerment. Okay, I'll go. My goal for this week is I can heighten my level of discernment and awareness. I can stay awake. I am the mother, 
the mother. Right now, I just feel like it's easier to numb and I want to numb, but I know that that's where Satan wants me. So I am going to be intentional and purposeful and stay awake so that I can win these battles with Satan this week. Thanks for sharing. My goal for the week's going to be to, I, I'm super excited about all this. And so I want to go through my notes and like practice them. So I know the creator, the challenger, the coach and, and what qualities they each have so that I can be able to like, if I was trying to teach it, I want to be able to like write it down and know it because right now it feels like, Ooh, it's huge out here. And I'm not quite sure I'm grasping it all. Right. But I want to really like go over it and over and over it and try to, because I really related to how all these things affect us and how they affect me in my life and how I want to be, you know, the creator, challenger and coach. So I think that's what I'm going to do is really like study it and be able to try to be able to explain it to another person so that I know that I understand it a little bit better. Thanks for sharing. The empowerment dynamic comes from the book. The Power of Ted. It's incredible. It's got really good concepts in it. It's really poorly written. So when you pick it up to read it, just push through. Don't judge it by the writing. <laughs> the concepts in it are solid and I love them. And just so you know, it's better as an audiobook because it's kind of an allegory. It's kind of a story. So it, it's, it's, I, I got it. I can't have it on I was just thinking I want to listen to that again. That that will be my goal. But I especially like the statement from Ron Power that I could tap into my warrior chemistry. Say, can we communicate to you? I say, can you, I talk in demo. Communication with the spirit and warrior chemistry helps me reclaim my power places where I have struggled for a long time. That, that last statement where I have struggled for a long time, it's just, yeah, feel like it's time. It's time to stop struggling. With some of this done. Thanks for sharing. And the audiobook is brilliant. I put a link to it in the chat so you can see what it looks like and know what to grab. Mm -hmm. I I think the piece is an increased skill, not a change in circumstance. Give myself credit for. I do have an increased skill. Like I have increased a lot in my skill. You know, with focusing more on you know, noticing when I'm getting miserable, falling in a place that's not helpful to me, right? That I could get all marinated in all this yucky feelings and thinking and then show up not in a way that I want to or just completely avoid things. And so, yeah, I think just giving myself credit that I've made some improvement that I've, I do, I do have some increased skill and also trust that there's a lot of things going right with my marriage, right? Just lean into those things instead of doing what women do so well. Look for like, there's something wrong here. We need to figure this out, right? I, I tend to do that too much. And so that would be good for me to, to just give myself some credit, but also realize that, yeah, it's an increased skill, getting to know myself a little better and you a little better and figure this out. So 
I like that perspective of it because it doesn't mean I have to have it now. And it's not bad that I didn't have it before. Like if I go stand at the free throw line at an NBA court, I'm not going to make that basket, (laughs) but I don't need to be embarrassed about it. I don't have that skill. I can learn that skill. We don't have to be embarrassed when we're walking up to a brand new um, way of approaching something and not being able to do it right the first time. It's okay. It's an increased skill. First, we just try a little bit at a time. So I like that that idea gives us permission to not be perfect and to not be successful doing this and adjusting our boundaries with how we communicate, how we act and react in conversations with those around us. Thanks for coming, everyone. We'll see you in two weeks. Thank you so much. So excellent. So wonderful. Thanks, ladies. Thanks for listening. Did you note any questions? Well, get ready to note several wonderful things Mother to Know has for you. But first, I want to express a special appreciation to the incredible women who added so much to this series. We love you, ladies, and thank you for your generous service to all of us. First, Tuesday, August 30th at 11 a.m. Mountain Time, come join us with your pockets full of your questions at our 90-minute Q&A with Ashley Lovett in our Warrior Mothers Who Know meeting all about boundaries. You will be happy to know that Ashley Lovett is offering an awesome boundaries class starting in September. See more info about this in the show notes. You might want to get to know Ashley better. Check out our Like Dragons Did They Fight podcast channel where she shares her two-part story, episodes 119 and 120. August 23rd, our Stay by the Tree Messages of Hope webinar series starts at 9 a.m. Mountain Time. Ashley will be presenting her message of hope to us on August 30th. Join us Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Mountain Time for our online Mom Power Live meeting. All women have mother hearts. We are currently linking arms in our open enrollment Mom Power training series. This online self-paced class is free to all women. It offers a live connection with other moms who are seeking for more peace, purpose, and hope through Christ. Come and connect with us. We need you there. One of the super empowering things offered at Mothers You Know is Team Mom Power. Women are connecting weekly in small collaborative groups, applying Mom Power principles in attentive, powerful, heartfelt ways. We are stronger together. We are crushing the enemy of our soul when we defy isolation and power up with like-minded, Christ-centered women. Your team is waiting for you. And if you missed any of this information, it's all in the show notes. You are amazing and so appreciated for listening. We would love to hear what you're thinking about our Boundaries series. Let us know by emailing mothersyouknow at lifechangingservices.org. See you next time.